Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call. The number is 208-991-4783. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's episode is brought to you by the support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all your great financial support. And here now is today's episode of Sherlock Holmes, The Adventure of Black Peter. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast present that immortal character created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. <laughs> this week's story, The Adventure of Black Peter. Watson. Yes, Holmes? Hang on on that meat hook, will you? Oh, very well, Holmes. But, dash it, what are you up to? Step to one side, my dear Watson. I shouldn't want any blood to spatter on you when I plunge this harpoon into the flesh. Holmes, what on earth? Observe how murder is done, Watson. You're like most men. You want to feel comfortable in your suit, yet it must fit you flawlessly. Look crisp, smart and newest tomorrow. Naturally, you want a fabric you can depend on for long wear. Yes, your suit must look like a really expensive model, but its price ought to make you feel like cheering. Man Clipper crafts with your suit because it gives you so much more than you ever could count on for only 40 and 47.50, and here's why. Better than 1,200 of this country's finest independent stores have combined their colossal purchasing power to bring about real savings in manufacturing and distribution costs. And these savings are passed along to you. That's why you can enjoy the longer wear of Clippercraft's wonderful worsted suit at only $47.50. Slip into one at the friendly independent store in your community that sells Clippercraft. Look over the selection of top coats and sport coats, too. You just can't find values to beat Clippercraft. Compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Dr. Watson, you were going to tell us of the adventure of Black Peter. Ah, yes, Mr. Harris, to be sure. It began in 1895, a most fruitful year for Holmes. He was enjoying an immense practice at 221B Baker Street. Indeed, if I should reveal the identity of some of the illustrious clients who crossed our threshold, I should be guilty of an indiscretion. Chronologically, this adventure took place just after Holmes's famous investigation of the sudden death of Cardinal Tosca and his arrest of Wilson, the notorious East End trainer of Canary Birds. It properly began 
in the year 1883 aboard the steam whaler Sea Unicorn and in the middle watch of a very dark night. Evening, Mr. Nelligan. Eh? Oh, it's you, Captain. It was so dark here on deck, I couldn't tell who it was. I've been looking for you, Mr. Nelligan. You have? Aye. You'll be interested to know we sight the ship and lights in two days. Excellent, Captain. Excellent. That's good news for a landlubber like myself. It'll be good to see land again. Aye. But there's a hitch in it. What do you mean? This, Mr. Nelligan. Oh. Now, over the side you go, Mickey. Oh, it's been 12 years since we sailed the sea unicorn, Ace Giver. Aye. And all that time I've holed up here in this cabin in the Sussex woods. <laughs> nice and peaceful like. You've come a long way to see your old captain, matey. <laughs> yeah. Have another drink for old time's sake. Aye. For old time's sake. A good old 1883 and the sea unicorn. Ah, now, there was a ship. The best steam whaler ever to make way out of Dundee. And it's many a blubber whale we are pooned from her, eh, matey? Aye. Drink up, then. Drink up. <laughs> Nothing like good rum to warm the hearts of old shipmates, eh? Ah. I tell you, mate. Hold on. You ain't down your rum. No. Then why not? I changed my mind. Did you now? Never known you to turn down good rum afore, mate. I'm turning it down now. What do you mean? I've known you too long to let you trick me, Black Peter. I didn't come here to pass the time of day. I got a little business to talk over with you, nice and quiet. And I'll need a clear head to do it. So, you got a little business, eh, mister? What business? A certain tin box once owned by a passenger aboard the Sea Unicorn. What are you talking about? A mental man named John Nelligan Skipper. They say he fell overboard one dark night in the middle watch. But I say different. I say he was tipped by the heels and thrown overboard. You do. I do. You see, I was out. Saw the whole thing myself with my own eyes. Of course, I ain't mentioning any names. Blast you, mate. Why did you come to my place here? What do you want? I want half a swag in that tin box you stole from Nelligan, Skipper. I'll see you rot. That's why you're wrong, Skipper. I'll see you rot. When I tell the police about what happened to John Nelligan, they'll hang you so hard. I'll cut out your tongue first. Stop that knife, Skipper. I'll slit your throat, I will. Stop that the county of Sussex, of course. A home, Sussex? Yes, of course I do. What about it? We're journeying there on the 10 o'clock train, my dear Watson. Specifically to a little place called Woodman's Lee near Forest Row. Hey, we are. Why? I'm in receipt of an urgent and long telegram from my young protege with the official police, Inspector Stanley Hopkins. 
He admits to complete bafflement in the procedure of his duties and begs us to repair there with all possible haste. Then there's more to this than just the scenery in Sussex, eh? There is indeed Watson, to be exact. Murder. Murder? Yes. It seems that a certain retired sea captain, one Peter Carey, has been mysteriously stabbed. Uh, knifed, eh? I did not say that, Watson. Well, my dear Holmes, you say the man was stabbed, but not knifed? Precisely, Watson. And this is what gives the case an altogether intriguing and refreshing aspect. Peter Carey was stabbed and pinned to a wall. Not by a knife, but by a harpoon. Say this forest path leads to Black Peter's cabin, Inspector Hopkins? Yes, Dr. Watson. We'll be there presently. Um, Hopkins, you tell me you found no footprints before the heavy rain last night obliterated all signs. No, Mr. Holmes, I found no footprints. Meaning that you saw none. I assure you, Mr. Holmes, there were none. Oh, come, come, Hopkins. You're beginning to sound like your senior colleague, Inspector Lestrade. Yes, sir, but... My dear Hopkins, I have investigated many crimes, but I've never yet seen one that was committed by a flying creature. As long as a criminal remains on two legs, so long must there be some indentation, some abrasion, some trifling displacement which can be detected by the scientific searcher. I trust you'll remember that in the future, my lad. Yes, Mr. Holmes. I, I'm sorry I did not telegraph this sooner, but... Quite all right. But hello, there's the cabin just ahead. Perhaps we may be able to lean heavily on what we find within... Look at that body. Pinned to this wall by a steel harpoon. Not very pretty, is it, Watson? Oh, dash it, Holmes. In position, I'm supposed to be hardened to this sort of thing. But I must confess that this... This gave me a bit of a start. Quite a terrifying sight, Watson, yet fascinating. Note how the steel harpoon was thrust clean through the man's chest, impaling him against the wall. His face twisted in agony like a lost soul in torment. Yes. Surprised visitor turned out to be a most unpleasant scoundrel, I must say. On the contrary, Watson, Peter Carey's visitor was no surprise. He met his murderer by appointment. How do you know that, Mr. Holmes? Elementary, my dear Hopkins. Observe that although Peter Carey was killed late at night, he was fully dressed. Note, too, that the bed has not been slept in, and that on his sea chest he placed a tantalus containing brandy and whiskey for the convenience of his guests. I... Aha. Oh, what is it, Holmes? The spirits in these two bottles. Both the brandy and the whiskey have been unopened. Yes, but Holmes... On the other hand, the bottle of rum on the table there has been almost completely consumed. You consider this significant, Mr. Holmes? I do indeed, Hopkins. Most significant. Holmes, I simply do not see you. Hello. What's this bloodstained notebook doing on the table? Oh, as to that, sir, I found it on the floor near the door and picked it up. It's the only thing I touched. Uh, soaked with blood on one side. Yes. On which side, Hopkins, were the bloodstains? Above or below? Why, on the side next to the floorboard. Which proves, of course, that the book was dropped after the crime was committed. Let's have a look inside. Yes, seems to be a list of stock exchange securities. And on the first page, two sets of initials, J-H-N and C-P-R. What do you make of them, Hopkins? Why, if you ask me, Mr. Holmes, I'd say it's possible J-H-N was the name of the broker and C-P-R the name of his client. A pretty sound deduction, I should say, Holmes. Rubbish, Watson. Eh? The J-H-N eludes me for the moment, but I'll wager a sovereign that the initial C-P-R stands for Canadian Pacific Railway. By Jove, Mr. Holmes, of course. What a fool I've been. Canadian Pacific Securities, of course. But 
But what's an old sea dog like Peter Sarri got to do with stock exchange? Precisely what I propose to find out. Oh, Hopkins. Uh, yes, sir? I presume you noticed by the dust imprint that something was taken from this shelf. I did. It, uh, it's an oblong shape, as you'll observe, Mr. Holmes. It, it might have been a book, or perhaps a box. Whatever it was, the murderer considered it valuable enough to take with him. There's no other evidence of robbery. Well, well, gentlemen, let's go. We've seen enough of this room. What are you going to do now, Holmes? Reflect, Watson. Perhaps a walk in these beautiful woods will serve to... Hello, look at the lock on this door. What about it, sir? Someone's been tampering with the lock. Observe, the woodwork is cut. Hopkins. Yes, Mr. Holmes? Were these scratches here when you left last evening? Uh, no, sir, they were not. What do you think of it, Holmes? I think fortune's been very kind to us, my dear Watson. Well, I confess, I don't see Come, that. come, Watson, it's all quite plain. Our nocturnal marauder is obviously a very poor burglar. He came expecting to find Peter Carey's door open. Finding it locked, he tried to force it open with a penknife. He failed. Now... Assuming that he wanted something in the cabin very badly, what would he do next? Why, well, come back the next night with a heavier tool. Precisely. Then you think this burglar fellow will return tonight? I do indeed, Hopkins. And it'll be our fault if we are not here to receive him at close quarters. hasn't shown up yet. Patient, Watson, patient. I must confess that lying in a Sussex bush for five hours on a cold, damp night like this isn't to my taste, sir. That old leg wound of mine is beginning to pain. I regret that this long and melancholy vigil is so uncomfortable, my dear Watson, but we may yet hope that... Aha, uh-huh. someone's at the gate. Down, no, both of you, he's coming. Yes, sir. He's looking at my wide Hopkins. He stopped at the cabin door. Yes. He's broken in, Mr. Holmes. Come, Watson, Hopkins. We've got him trapped in the cabin. Now is the time to close with our quarry. Tomorrow, go visit your Clippercraft dealer. See his showing of Clippercraft for Paul. Just feel the luxurious fabrics and consider the superb cut and made-for-you fit. You just have to agree, Clippercraft suits look many dollars more than the forty or forty-seven fifty you'll pay. Now here's the reason Clippercraft is so easy on your budget. That reason is pure logic. More than twelve hundred of America's finest stores from coast to coast combine their huge buying power for savings in production and distribution. An operation of this scope naturally keeps Clippercraft great tailoring plants on a full working schedule the whole year round. Manufacturing expenses are obviously reduced. Anyone can see that this results in real savings for the millions who wear Clippercraft. That's why Clippercraft suits are such staggering values at only $40.47. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and sport jackets. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. 
Sack 34th, Broadway at 34th. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Presby, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. And now let's return to our story, Dr. Watson. Well, Mr. Harris, we poured into the cabin and found a frightened youth who put up no resistance whatsoever. He had one of Black Peter's logbooks in his hand, dated August 1883, when Inspector Hopkins stepped the handcuffs on him. He was a frail youth, obviously a gentleman, and so frightened he could hardly speak. Now, my fine fellow, who are you? Inspector, I... If you imagine that I had anything to do with Captain Carey's death, you're wrong. Believe me, I'm innocent. Suppose you tell us your name. It's... It's Nelligan. John Hopley Nelligan. Indeed. And the initials would be J-H-N. What do you think of that, Mr. Holmes? I'll digest it later, my dear Hopkins. Now then, Nelligan, your name has a familiar sound. I seem to recall it in connection with financial circles in London. Yes, I... My father was a partner in the banking firm of Dawson and Nelligan. By Joe, Holmes, I recall it now. The West Country bankers who failed for a million and ruined half the county families in Cornwall. Yes, and it seems to me your father disappeared with some of the securities. It's a lie. He simply needed time to realize them and pay back his investors. It's true he fled with a tin box of securities, but he left a list with my mother and swore that he would come back with his honor cleared. And where did your father go, Nelligan? He started in a small vessel for Norway in August of 83. Then we never heard from him again. Aha, uh-huh. but later the securities he'd taken with him turned up in the market. Yes, yes, Mr. Holmes, that's just what happened. I spent many months tracing the original seller, and finally I discovered that he was Captain Peter Carey, otherwise known as Black Peter, one of the sea unicorns. Now we're getting somewhere. The distance between a disappearing banker and a sea captain pinned to a wall with a harpoon has shrunken considerably, eh, Watson? <laughs> so it seems, though. So it seems. How do you think Black Peter acquired your father's securities, Nelligan? That's why I came to the cabin to find out. I suspected some sort of foul play. So you came to Peter Carey's cabin and found him dead. You then checked the logbook for August 1883, hoping for a clue to your father's disappearance. And you found none. No, the pages for that month have been ripped out of this logbook. Uh, Mr. Holmes. Yes, Hopkins. With your permission, I'll ask young Nelligan here a few questions. By all means, Hopkins. I'm quite finished. Uh, now then, my lad. You came to the cabin last evening... But you could not break the lock. Is that correct? Yes, Inspector, that's correct. And you were not in the cabin before that? No, sir. Then how do you account for this notebook with your initials, J.H.N.? I... I don't know. I, I thought... I, I lost it at the hotel. We found it at the scene of the crime. It was covered with blood. It proves that you were there at the time. That you quarreled with Peter Carey. You took down the harpoon from the wall, ran him through, and in your fight, dropped the book. No. Uh, no, Inspector, that's not true. It's not true, I tell you. You tell us a cock and bull story of wanting to see a log book. What you wanted was to recover this blood-stained notebook. You knew it was evidence of the hangman's loot. Inspector, for the love of heaven, I, I tell you I'm innocent. I swear it. Uh, perhaps the man has something on his side, Inspector. Well, let the jury decide that, Mr. Holmes. On the face of the evidence, Nelligan, I am arresting you for murder. Yes, Watson? About young Hopkins and his arrest of Nelligan back there at Woodman's Lee. What about it? Well, I can't say I blame the inspector on second thought. That bloodstained notebook is certainly damning evidence. 
And certainly Nelligan had a motive. It seems clear that Black Peter did away with his father, stole the securities... And... Oh, rubbish, Watson. Eh? Frankly, I'm disappointed in Stanley Hopkins, and his methods do not commend themselves to me. They smack too much of Lestrade. I had hoped for better things. But the bloodstained notebook, Holmes, on the scene of the crime, and Nelligan's strange return... Granted, my dear fellow, but one should always look for a possible alternative and provide against it. It's the first rule of criminal investigation. Well, I confess I'm confused. Are you, Watson? Are you indeed? Then let me ask you a question. Would you say young Nelligan was a big and powerful man? Why, why no. No, bigger or stronger than myself, for example. I should say he was less sturdy than yourself, Holmes. But dash it, what's all this got to do with... In an hour, Watson, I hope to demonstrate to your own satisfaction that young John Nelligan could not possibly have murdered Black Peter Carey. Oh, oh hello, here's Paddington Station, Holmes. Quite. But uh, this time, Watson, we shall stay on the train and change for the east end of the docks. Eh, why? There's a certain shop on Ratcliffe Highway near Commercial Road East and the Shadwell Fish Market. It excels in accessories for the fishermen. And I wish to make a purchase there. A purchase? Good Lord, Holmes, what kind of purchase? A harpoon, my dear Watson. You say you want to purchase a harpoon, sir? I do. I want it heavyweight and in steel. Uh, well, my good man, what are you staring at? Perfectly simple request, is it not? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Only, uh, only what? Well... You don't look like the sort of man who would be interested in our poem. I'm interested in prompt service and the article I requested. Uh, yes, yes. Are you, you just wait a moment, sir. Holmes, you still haven't told me what the devil you want with a harpoon. Now, here's a harpoon used in all the latest whalers and sailing vessels, sir. Capital. Capital. Good hat, too. I'll take it. Very good, sir. Of course, you'll want us to deliver it. On the contrary, I'll carry it with me. Dash it, Holmes. You mean you're going to wander about London uh, carrying a harpoon? This is no time to stand on dignity, my dear fellow. Come, let's be off to see our old friend Allardyce. Allardyce? You mean Allardyce the butcher? Exactly, my dear Watson. Well... Good afternoon, Allardyce. Good afternoon, Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes. No need to stare, Allardyce. This steel spear is merely a harpoon, and I'm carrying it on a serious mission. Well, it seems to me every eye in London was upon us on our way here. You're much too sensitive, my dear Watson. Now then, Allardyce, as to your stock in trade... Well, I... We have some excellent name shops, Mr. Holmes, and if you like a nice cut of beef... As a matter of fact, Allardyce, I'm interested in neither at the moment. What I want is a dead pig. A dead pig? Holmes, what the deuce? You must have a pig carcass hanging somewhere in your back shop, Allardyce. Why, yes, Mr. Holmes. As a matter of fact, I have, but... Then I should like the pleasure of meeting this porker. At once. Here's a pig carcass hanging from this hook, Mr. Holmes. Ah, yes. Capital. Capital, a good, thick animal. Now, Watson, if you'll hold my coat... Holmes, what the devil are you up to? I'm merely going to try out this harpoon, my dear Watson. Now, if you'll step back, I shall attempt to plunge it into this carcass with all my might and at close quarters. Observe. Ah, you see, Watson? Well, all I see is you've stuck that steel barb into an unoffending carcass of meat. Use your eyes, man, use your eyes. 
Nope. I plunged the harpoon into that carcass with all my strength. Yet the barb went but halfway through. I see. Then you mean that young Nelligan was incapable of impaling Peter Carey to the wall with a harpoon. Precisely, Watson. If I couldn't turn the trick here, Nelligan couldn't possibly have pierced Black Peter through at the cabin. It's beyond his physical power and mine. Well, then if it wasn't young Nelligan, who was it, Holmes? All in good time, Watson. All in good time. First, we know it was a powerful man, a giant in strength. Second, we know it was a sailor. Eh, how? Obvious, my dear Watson. First, the man who killed Peter Carey had to handle a harpoon deftly and speedily. Remember, it was hanging on the wall when Black Peter pulled his knife. Then, of course, there was the spirit. The spirit? What spirit? The murderer was drinking with Black Peter. He left the brandy and whiskey untouched and drank only rum. Hence, further proof that the killer was not a landlubber, but a seafaring man. But come, Watson, you must be off. Yes, Holmes, where? First, I must dispatch a telegram to Dundee. Later, if fortune's with us, we'll go to the Daily Chronicle and insert an advertisement on the shipping page. What kind of advertisement? My dear Watson, I propose to start an Arctic expedition. You'll excuse me, Mr. Holmes, but why did you ask me here at Baker Street this morning? My dear Hopkins, I propose to make your journey here quite worthwhile. Oh, indeed, Mr. Holmes, how? I expect that the murderer of Peter Carey will be here shortly to pay us all a call. What? Rather an interesting surmise, eh, Inspector? I can't say I can go along with Mr. Holmes. I have my murderer already, young Mr. Nelligan, and the evidence to convict him before a jury of his peers. Do you indeed, Hopkins? Yes, sir. I have my man. But are you sure you can produce yours? Quite. You see, Hopkins, I advertise for the murderer to call on me. You what? I don't blame you for being properly confused, Inspector. Heavens knows I was. Uh -huh. Someone's coming up the stairs. Open the door, Watson. Very well, Holmes. I'm sure this is our man. His step sounds like the tread of a giant. My name is Patrick Cairns. I have your advertisement here. Are you a harpooner? Aye, sir. 26 voyages. What ship? The Unicorn, out of Dundee. Very well, Cairns. That's yours. Now, if you'll just sign here on the desk. Very good, sir. I'll sign it. Hopkins, Watson, help me pin him down. Hey, what's this? Try to hang on me, would you? Look out, Holmes. And this man is as strong as a bull. Hopkins, your hand just right, Mr. Holmes. All right, my man, that'll do. You're dealing with the law here. What is this? What's the meaning of this? You might call it an arrest, Cairns. To be specific... I'm afraid we must detain you for the murder of your old captain, Peter Carey. Ah, good evening, Hopkins. Mr. Holmes, I have just come here to apologize for my, my stupidity. Yes, Inspector? Why? Peter Cairns has just confessed. Uh, naturally, I released young Nelligan at once. I see. Cairns knew Black Peter had done away with Nelligan Sr. and taken the securities. Later, he tried to blackmail Peter and finally killed him. Eh, Hopkins? That is correct, Mr. Holmes. But Holmes, how was young Nelligan's securities notebook found on the seat? Young Nelligan neglected to tell us that he'd paid a previous visit to the cabin, Watson. He was afraid to incriminate himself, of course. No doubt he'd seen an opinion talk. Fled in haste, dropped his notebook, and slammed the door shut behind him. And later, he returned to find it locked. That's the way it was, Mr. Holmes. Exactly the way it was. But 
How did you know this sailor, Terry? Elementary, my dear Hopkins. I knew it was a sailor, and that he must have come from Peter Carey's old school, the Sea Unicorn. They drank together, as you know. And later on, by the dust pattern on the shelf, we knew some sort of box was missing. The box with the stolen securities, eh, Hope? Exactly, Watson. After that, Hopkins, I telegraphed Dundee and found that only one harpooner of the old Sea Unicorn crew was alive. A giant of a man named Patrick Tern. And since there was no record of his shipping elsewhere, the man was in a mood for an attractive birth. And so you advertised for the murder. Quite often. And as you saw, the results were most gratifying. <laughs> Indeed, Watson, if I may forego my usual modesty for a moment, I believe this adventure deserves a special place in your memoirs. <laughs> does, Dr. Watson, but how did John Elegant Sr. appear on the Sea Unicorn? Well, Mr. Harris, his yacht founded in a storm. He was picked up by Black Peter's vessel and only survived. Later, as you know, Peter Carey threw him overboard upon learning of the valuables in the tin box. Oh, I see. I might add that ultimately, the honor of the Nelligan name was revived. And shortly thereafter, Holmes and I went to Norway on a well-earned holiday. <laughs> I would say you had it coming to you, Doctor. But now, Dr. Watson, what about next week's adventure? Well, next week, I shall relate to you the fabulous windmill. It concerns the baffling disappearance of a dike inspector, a mystifying wooden cabin, and a technique for committing murder that would be best employed in Holland. Well, we'll be on hand to visit the fabulous windmill next week, Dr. Watson. Makers of Clippercraft clothes and more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockland. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Feldman. This week's story was written by Max Ehrlich with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Fabulous Windmill. Cy Harris speaking for Clipper Craft Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. In just a moment, you'll hear Behind the Front Page with Gabriel Heater. Eastern Airlines now ready for departure. Pride and proven dependability over billions of passenger miles. That's Eastern's famous airliners and Eastern's experienced pilots. For double dependability, fly Eastern, the tried and proven airline. This is WOR. New York. Welcome back. Well, even without checking, I knew that this was an adventure uh, that had been originally written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It was uh, just too good, uh, I think, to have been otherwise. That does seem to be the thing with this uh, particular series. 
the ones that are by Doyle stand out like a sore thumb because they're, they do tend to be so much better than the regular episodes, uh, that are just the, uh, that are original from the writers. Alright, well we do turn to listener comments, uh, by now. And, uh, Al commented on episode 699, The Frightened Bookkeeper. Love these old radio, uh, broadcasts. Basil Rathbone has such command. Uh, John H. Watson, um, I think probably not his real name, uh, says, except this isn't Basil Rathbone, but John Stanley. Uh, but he does sound like Basil Rathbone, doesn't he? Um, you know, I think it's worth discussing that, uh, both Tom Conway and, uh, uh, John St- and, uh, John Stanley, uh, the two people who immediately followed Rathbone, uh, did their Holmes voice in a very, um, Rathbone-like, um, uh, voice. And I think that does say something to how much Rathbone had come to dominate it in the, uh, the, uh, whole, uh, area of Sherlock Holmes in the 1940s. You know, people thought, you know, that Basil Rathbone was Sherlock Holmes. And so if you wanted to play Sherlock Holmes, uh, you needed to have somebody who could imitate Basil Rathbone. And uh, I think that they could do the, uh, you know, the, you know, there are some people, um, I think you can imitate their voice, the mechanics, but you can't uh, capture the essence of who they are. Uh, you know, another one I think that's a pretty good example was Jimmy Durante. Somebody can, everybody can do that voice, but um, you know, has an impersonation. But to capture the spirit of it, that's tough. And I think that same thing's true with Basil Rathbone, and may have been the thing that I think both Stanley and Conway missed to one extent or another. And Ed says, hey, Adam, great stuff. Listen to a few Box 13s recently, episode 196 or thereabouts, as well as other shows around 200. And don't know if you've ever mentioned that Joseph Kearns, who is in several of them, played Mr. Wilson on TV's Dennis the Menace, to us kids from the 50s and 60s. Also, one of the characters' uh, voices is the fellow who narrates many of the Disneyland rides and programs. Paul Freeze, I think it is. Cool stuff, thanks. Well, many of the great radio performers, and Paul Free certainly among them, they live on through animated uh, features, and they also live on, uh, they live on, I guess, in some cases, through the rides. It was kind of interesting. We were uh, watching um, a, you know, rerun of Rocky and Bullwinkle, and we saw on there, you know, the the name Bill Conrad, uh, and... Uh, it's interesting, you know, what they did outside of radio. Uh, what some of these people did on radio was simply amazing with, uh, in some cases, uh, th- uh, thousands and even uh, above 10,000 appearances. And Joseph Kearns was one of those. Uh, Kearns, by the way, of course, over television, known for his role uh, in uh, Dennis the Menace, but did not actually make his... Uh, uh, screen or, uh, any visual debut until he was, uh, 40. Uh, and that was actually as a voice. Uh, didn't get out on screen till 42. Uh, but then he, you know, 
uh, transition to television. He brought so many of his talents along, uh, culminating with uh, playing Mr. Wilson. Uh, the first Mr. Wilson, he died uh, while that show was being made and uh, was replaced by uh, another radio great, Gail Gordon. And we'll continue to hear Joseph Kearns in show after show. Really, it's amazing just how many episodes he turns up in. All right, well, that will do do it for today. We will be back tomorrow with yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and then join us back here on Thursday for another episode of Sherlock Holmes. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and give us a call, 208-991-4783. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.